guys from Shanghai? Yeah. Yeah. And why are you here today? Because our colleagues there from Australia, they asked us to come yeah. with them. Ah, <laughs> oh, right. Okay, so this is your first time? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and what do you think of it? Oh, it's really rough. Rough. You know, <laughs> it's, it's rough. all the It looks like everybody's <laughs> <laughs> But it's so exciting. And did you know about Australian football before your colleague told you? Not really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I see chance. some rules from the booklet. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so do you feel you understand all the rules now? <laughs> Partly, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I know how they can get get a gold point, yeah. but yeah, yeah. the one and six difference, but Chabod. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know. yeah. Okay. Thanks. How did you hear about the AFL game? Uh, we're invited, actually, yeah, uh, from the uh, holder, yeah. the, the 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 Shanghai Zhou uh, Shi company, the, the holder of the the game. Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, okay. okay. Um, and is this the first time you've seen an AFL game? Uh, yes. And, and and what do you think of it? Uh, it, it's it's a little bit cru- crucial, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Because it's it's very different from the games we know before, such as the, the football, the, the basketball. Because, because we uh, we cannot uh, how do you say crush each other yeah. in, in such games. But we we can we can do such things in, in this game. It's yeah. very AFL is very physical. Yeah 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 yeah. Um and and and, and do you um, understand the rules? Uh, a little bit because we we'll we, we check the internet. Yeah, we check the internet uh, oh, on did? the way here. Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, and do you think you'll come next year for the if if they if the AFL has another game? Uh, next yeah, year? yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. Sure, sure. Thanks a lot. Welcome. It's, it's a bit surreal, really. Yeah. Um, to 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 have the Never apart in you've got to think to yourself you're in Shanghai. Right. So that that's. Bit weird. The atmosphere is very different, but it definitely feels when yeah. you go out there, it feels like you're at an AFL well, game. For sure. It feels like a, a great home game. Oh, so yeah, it feels like a port home game. Oh, for you. definitely. Yeah, it does. Definitely. Yeah. Hello and welcome to another episode of the China Path podcast. James Scullin here from the Australia-China Business Council. Now those sound bites you heard at the beginning of the episode were on-the-spot interviews I conducted with attendees at this year's AFL game in Shanghai in May and gives you a bit of a sense of how the game is resonating with local Chinese and Australian travellers alike. As the first foreign sports league to play games in China for points, the Port Adelaide Football Club has been the pioneer and driving force of seeing the AFL played annually in China for the last two years. On this episode, we speak to the architect of Port's China strategy, Andrew Hunter. Andrew and I discuss the rationale behind Port's China engagement, the underrated role sports diplomacy can play in Australia-China relations, and what goes into making an AFL game a reality on the ground in China. Andrew Hunter is the general manager of Port Adelaide Football Club's China engagement, where he's played a pioneering role in the development of the Australian Football League partnership with China. Andrew's an experienced advisor to government and commercial entities on international relations and is a widely published writer and engaging speaker on sports diplomacy and his underutilized role in facilitating positive cultural exchange. I hope you enjoy our discussion. I'm here with Andrew Hunter, the GM for China Engagement at the Port Adelaide Football Club. Thanks for dropping by to the podcast, Andrew. No worries, mate. Happy to be here. Um, So, Andrew, can we just start off by discussing when did 
Port first start looking at China um, as a as a market for your football club? Sure. What, like, what were the first steps? As I understand, this started in about 2014. So this was a, a really exciting period for the football club at the time. We had a, a relatively new uh, chairman, a new CEO, Keith Thomas, and Koshi was there. And there was really a great belief in the club that what we were doing and the innovative thinking and the different thinking that these two leaders were bringing to the club was going to pay dividends. So no matter how crazy an idea, there was a great deal of faith that we had the people and, and Port Adelaide had the history and the culture to be able to actually bring this to life and, and make it work. There was actually, uh, as the story goes, there's a, a Port Adelaide supporter who's lived in Hong Kong for a long time and uh, an avid follower of the club still and, and Koshi and, and Keith were putting the message out that we're looking for new ideas, we're looking to break into new ground, new territory. Yep. And so this Port Adelaide supporter in Hong Kong said, well, if you're looking for new ideas, here's one, why don't you actually have a go at the China market? So from there, there was some thought put into whether or not that would be a good avenue uh, to go down. And ultimately, the club decided uh, that year to have a, a business uh, lunch and they brought their board across to have board, their board meeting in Hong Kong at the Hong Kong Footy Club, and from there they started developing a China engagement strategy. So from that point, uh, how important were Chinese partners in opening those first doors with uh, discussing how you can actually get an AFL game happening on the, on the ground in China? Yeah, I mean, China, the Chinese partners in terms of getting the game happening were, were, were crucial, and one partner in particular, Shanghai Cred and the, the chairman, Mr Gui Guojie. Mm. Uh, initially, though, we, we were looking at um, connecting with Chinese businesses that already had a presence in Australia and also that network of intermediaries that, uh, I guess, have carriage of their business interests in Australia. So, I mean, it had to make sense. We didn't actually have any uh, presence or activation in China at that particular time. So what we really had to sell was a fantastic avenue or vehicle through which a Chinese company could build a stronger connection with Australia, with it, with its people, uh, with its businesses and with its government. So we actually had a, a very considered approach. We didn't um, believe that we could suddenly go to China and create something that would be commercially viable in the first instance. Mm. So that led us very quickly to uh, Gui Guojie. We were, um, signed a commercial agreement quite early uh, in our strategy and he was very keen to bring the game to China. So, again, that, that strong belief that we had that we could do anything, that we could break new ground, that there was a real uh, merit in trying something different uh, gave us the confidence to actually go about uh, getting that first game happening. So, so those first steps were actually about playing a game in China. That was like you just went right into pitching to play a game in mainland China? No, so there, was, there were a couple of steps before that. So, I mean, initially the, the club was uh, very keen on getting a commercial return. As you know, the, the sports landscape in Australia is highly contested. There are about 90 professional sporting clubs or sporting teams in Australia, which is about the same amount as there are in the United States, which has a much bigger yeah, population right. and market. So highly contested here. We were looking to break new grounds, to develop new networks and to develop uh, new revenue streams. So it was very commercially motivated. We got that outcome uh, and we also signed or brokered a broadcasting agreement with CCTV 5 Plus, okay. which was a fantastic thing at the time, I think, for the sport and for Port Adelaide Footy Club. 
but from there, um, the excitement and the, the relationship with Shanghai Cred and, and its chairman, he was very keen to get a game happening in China. Koshi had been saying for years that we're going to play a match in China, we're going to play a match in China. So we finally found a partner on the other side that believed it could happen, yeah. that believed in that vision, and we worked together to, to realise that dream. So there must be so many hurdles in to actually getting uh, the permission to play an AFL game in China. What were the what were the main boxes that you needed ticked? Um, was it finding a ground? Was it was it finding sponsors on the ground? What were the what were the main objectives to to making this a reality? Yeah, well, I think there was a great you know from the from the AFL's perspective, there's a great uncertainty about uh, playing an official game in China, and and rightly so. They're very protective of their product and the quality of their product. So. Yep. There are a range of things that we needed to do. That finding a ground itself was an almost insurmountable barrier because, as you know, they, they don't have football grounds in, in China. Yeah. And so we had to find an appropriate venue. We had to make sure that the grass and the surface could be at an appropriate level for an AFL game, which means that we needed a world standard surface to go with that stadium that it could actually accommodate a football ground. Yeah. And then, of course, as you know, in China, there's any number of approvals that you have to go through to actually have... Uh, an event um, and so we had to go about finding the right partners over there, working with the right companies, working with the government there um, and we did make a concerted attempt early to build up those government connections, uh, first Port Adelaide by itself and then and then the AFL when they came on board uh, which ultimately led to um, you know, a point where we could actually have the game in China. And, and so is, is Port's relationship with the AFL one that you, you both work collaboratively to run the game in China or does Port essentially kind of take the lead and, and look for the AFL for support later on? Yeah, so the game in China is a joint venture between Port Adelaide Football Club and the AFL. Okay. Uh, it is critical that we work with the AFL, of course, um, for any number of reasons, but I don't think... Uh, I think we're quite complementary in the way we work together and Port Adelaide has I think uh, you know has the resources that it's actually committing to the China project at the moment we have a range of very uh, substantial relationships in China now so initially because we had been working uh, China quite hard for a period we had a bit of a head start on uh, on others and we were able to introduce the AFL to those relationships but now we're working very much in a, in a collaborative manner. So you've played the last two years in Shanghai. Um, how have you gone about marketing the game to, to local Chinese in China to attend the game? Yeah, so we uh, we have a, a, a very specific approach to uh, marketing and promoting Australian rules football in China. Mm. We understand that we can't compete on the same level as basketball or soccer or other international sports particularly in China because uh, sport is seen to be such a, a parochial endeavour that it has to have, uh, I guess, an, an Olympic resonance or, or perhaps even, you know, it has to bring something to the, the nation's uh, pride by achieving success in a particular sport and that certainly isn't the case with AFL. So we understood that we could uh, take a different approach, go down a different path and that we, we knew that it, Australian rules football was our Indigenous game. Mm. So we started to talk to schools and we started to talk to people and businesses saying, if you want to know Australia a little bit better, a great way of knowing Australia is through our Indigenous sport. Right. So immediately we didn't try and compete with those international sports, but we tried to create a unique uh, narrative that was um, completely in line with the character of the sport. 
Now, I, I know you were just recently in Shanghai at the uh, China International Import Expo. Um, so Port Adelaide had its own stand there, is that correct? Yeah, so we had a stand with the AFL, yep. uh, and it was specifically there to promote the game next year. So it wasn't just Port Adelaide images, but there was you know this presence of St Kilda as well there, which was important. Yep. Um, it was perhaps a, an eye-opening moment, another watership moment in our path, because for the first time we saw that there was a genuine interest in the sport and in mm. its uniqueness. So we were uh, in the services hall, services education and tourism hall, and we're actually uh, right next to um, the Brazilian section and they had different uh, soccer clubs there. And, okay. and you would think naturally because of the importance of soccer and certainly for the importance that Xi Jinping places on soccer that people would naturally flock or gravitate to, yep. to a, a famous soccer club. But... Actually, a lot of people, and in fact, from my experience of that particular area, most people were actually looking at the images that we were presenting on the story wall, looking at the pictures of the players, looking at the VR sets, which had images of you know the Port Adelaide team running on the ground that could give you that uh, unique experience through uh, through virtual reality. Yeah, and they were gravitating to it. They were enjoying it. They were absorbed in it. So it really started to think that maybe maybe we're mystifying our sport a little bit too much. Maybe there is a natural attraction to our sport and maybe we don't have to assume that people won't understand our sport or won't naturally like it, even if they're coming from a completely different uh, context. Even though the sport of football might be familiar to Chinese people, the connection between that national brand and the sport is such a valuable proposition for Australia and the AFL. Yeah, I think so. For us, I think it's very important that we continue to... Uh, to work as Australian rules football being part of our national brand. It's our Indigenous game. It yep. does it does open a window into our culture. It's the carry of certain cultural values. It certainly uh, elevates the role of Indigenous Australia because of the contribution they make. And I don't think there's a there's a really strong understanding of our of our cultural heritage now and our history. But through football, there's an opportunity to actually um, articulate that and demonstrate mm. that and describe that. I think as well it is very much in alignment with um, the things about Australia to which Chinese people and a lot of foreigners are favourably uh, favorably inclined. I think, you know, having... I mean, it's an, a fantastic feat of athleticism that you see on football fields and that's very much in line with the image of Australia as being a very... as having a, a very healthy... Uh, or promoting a very healthy lifestyle. So I, I think it really does play on, uh, one, some of the more attractive aspects of our culture and certainly the aspects of our culture that we need to continue to promote. So you mentioned you had VR sets there in mm. Shanghai. What, what, what did a, a Chinese person see when they put on the VR headset? Yeah, so there are a couple of things. We had uh, some images of the AFL Grand Final from 2017. So okay. it feels like you're being part of the cheer squads there and actually experiencing it from a spectator's right. perspective. But there was actually some VR that we've been using for a few years where you can experience the Port Adelaide change room prior to the game and running onto the field with the players and running through the banner with the, with the fireworks. So, yeah. I mean, for the to be able to experience that is an extraordinary opportunity. Sure, yeah. And the game itself is, you know, that once-a-year opportunity to take a little bit of Australia to China. But we also have to realise that, you know, once a year isn't enough. So we have to find those other ways of actually allowing Chinese people to feel and touch our sport at the elite level. And it's a very 
uh, as you know, are very technologically savvy uh, people now. They have, a, they have a hunger to consume more things. They're very open to new technologies. So mm. VR is certainly something that proved to be really popular uh, at our store in the CIIE. Yeah, cool. Um, and so, Andrew, how can sports diplomacy play, um, play a larger role in the, in, in the greater Australia-China relationship? particularly with reference to business when, you know, the AFL is going to be playing a game in China for the foreseeable future every year. How does that help to bring along business and other opportunities to promote Australia while in China? In my opinion, sports diplomacy has a massive untapped potential in Australian foreign policy. Mm. I think it's it, it's so uh, obvious to you that it's, uh, it's almost difficult for our, for our leaders to perhaps see. Uh, we love sport. It's a great way of exchanging culture and it's a very popular way of developing some connection uh, internationally. Mm. If you think that now foreign policy is greatly influenced by domestic opinion, you could argue that's been the case for a long time, but now more so than ever, it's really important that Australians do actually develop a greater understanding of the outside world and sport's a fantastic way of doing that. Mm. I mean, we take uh, surveys of our members each year to try and gauge their opinion and perspective on China and we can see the positive impact that it's had they're actually playing a game there so you know of our 60,000 members 97.8% of them think that a strong Australia-China relationship is in the national interest right. I think part of that is due to the fact that they've had a very positive experience of China yep. because of sport oh, so right. I think it's a fantastic opportunity in a broader sense for our foreign policy specifically in terms of what it can do for the business connections mm. I mean I think that it is uh, an opportunity to really create a better relationship with a business partner in China. As you know, when you're in a formal business meeting in China, you're sitting on a rectangular table, you're sitting opposite on the other side of the table to your counterpart. Yeah. But when you come to the footy with that same person, if you take them to the footy in Australia, then you're sitting alongside each other. So you go from sitting opposite somebody on the other side of the table to sitting together. If you put on the same scarf, then you're part of something together. You're part of the same family. And these yeah. things are fantastically important. And I think the cultural importance of going to a sporting game in Australia shouldn't be underestimated and it shouldn't be something that we're embarrassed about. I mean, the Chinese banquet gives a certain experience of China. The Japanese nomakai or drinking party gives a certain experience and breaks down those barriers for relationships in Japan. Yeah. Breaking the bread in Arabia is a way of breaking down those barriers. Similarly in Australia, if you go to the footy with somebody, you're breaking down those barriers. So I think it's a really important uh, cultural platform for us sure. that we're yeah. not using enough and we don't understand its power yet, but we soon will. Yeah, and I think I hear that um, the, the Chinese Prime Minister Li Keqiang still has his Sydney Swans scarf that Malcolm Turnbull gave him at a SEG game a few years ago. Well, I would hate to think that he still has a Sydney <laughs> Swans scarf because he came to the Port Adelaide change rooms and Koshi put a Port Adelaide scarf around him. So don't let, don't let Koshi know he's still kept oh, his right, Sydney okay. Swans scarf. <laughs> well, but, no, it could be Port Adelaide, I'm sure. But what I do know is that at the end of that same year, yeah. uh, they actually met uh, in Manila, the, the Prime Minister Turnbull and uh, Premier Lee Ka-chung. Mm. And Lee Ka-chung noted that he still has the photo of the two of them wearing their football scarves at the football right. that he has in his office. So I think it's a fantastic indication of how those sort of personal connections can be built, as well as the country-to-country -country connections can be built through sports diplomacy. I think in Australia, we like we, we understand that we are a very passionate sports nation, but I think we maybe undercut ourselves as to how professional and, and mature our, our sports industry is as a business. Mm. I, um, I used to live in Beijing and I would uh, occasionally go to a Beijing Guo'an football game at, mm. the, at the Workers' Stadium. 
And so to get a ticket to a Beijing Guoan game, you look for tickets online, but you can't get any. It's all sold out. But my friends will say to me, that, that's fine, just come down to the ground. And outside the ground, there's just hundreds of scalpers just everywhere. So the closer you get to the stadium, the, the cheaper the tickets get. And so if you're with a group of six people, you'll speak to a scalper and he'll have two tickets and he'll somehow find the other four tickets for a row and you'll somehow get the six tickets together. Mm-hmm. And then you'll go into the stadium and someone will be sitting in those seats anyway and you'll just kind of have to find your own seats. So it's, it, it, it's part of the experience of going to a Chinese Super League game, but I think it really tells the story that we never have problems like that in Australia because our professionalism of something like ticketing is, is so robust and it's so world-class. Mm-hmm. In China, are you hearing requests from Chinese leagues and Chinese sporting clubs as to how they can learn from Australia's sports professionalism and, and, and sports industry? Yeah, we're not, but I think that you've made a really good point and it's something that we should certainly try and promote. I mean, the things are changing in China very quickly, so something that may have been the case a few years ago, I mean, this is a people with an enormous capacity to, to learn from others, to mm. absorb those understandings, to make it culturally appropriate and, to, and then to speed past them. Again, because they have that uh, insatiable desire to consume new technologies and, and seek to do things in a, in a different and often better way. Mm. So I think now's the moment for Australia to actually take advantage of the fact that the sports industry in China is growing at an extraordinary rate since mm. it became a national priority in 2014. They estimated at that point that the sports industry would grow by, grow by 5 trillion RMB over the next 11 years to yep. 2025. So this is an industry that is awash with money and with a, a great desire to consume the best of other countries and then to absorb it and to, to make it appropriate to their particular context. So, um, again... This is a great opportunity for Australia that we need to consider very quickly before it's too late. Mm. Uh, and certainly from Port Adelaide's perspective, we're very proud of our uh, our in-stadium experience. We're very proud of our home match experience. So that is something that perhaps we need to uh, carefully consider as to how, how we benefit from this unique opportunity. So how does Port go about measuring the success of their China strategy or maybe the future success? What are some of the, the, the benchmarks to show that this China strategy has been successful? Yeah, so I guess at the moment we have um, we have various industry indices that we work on. There's certainly a commercial element, so we're very conscious of the fact that we have, uh, despite some initial strong success commercially, we decided to reinvest that to try and see how far we could actually take this engagement strategy. So we have to carefully monitor how we've used that investment and what opportunities they're leading to in the future. Um, But in terms of the resonance of the sport, we are particularly focused on uh, three areas. One, to make sure that in the very near future, ideally next year, there will be a 50-50 split at the AFL game. So Mm. we love and encourage Port Adelaide and now St Kilda supporters to come to the game because we think that's a fantastic um, benefit that the game brings is more Australians to actually be encouraged to go to China and learn more about it. Um, But we also want the local audience to embrace the annual AFL match. Mm. We are bringing a little bit of Australia to Shanghai, so it's a great way of experiencing Australia and Australian culture without actually leaving the country. Um, Social media is another really key platform for us. We currently have 63,000 engaged uh, followers on Weibo and WeChat. Uh, We're quite um, comfortable with the progress that we've made over the last years, but we want to continue to be more sophisticated in our approach to that. How do we... How do we have the right balance between um, football and Australian culture? How do we find the alignment and the overlap between those? And how do we actually provide a a really interesting experience to people that are new to the sport? 
And the third level, uh, we have a school program, Power Footy, in China. We're currently at 21 right. schools We're in Shanghai as well as Guangdong Province. And next year we're expanding to Zhejiang Province and Anhui Province. So there is a real hunger for that program, which is great. Again, we're not selling it as just Australian football, but Australian football is a way of understanding Australian mm. culture. So the more we can develop that program, make sure it's a fantastic experience and get more schools and more young Chinese students involved, I think it all goes well for Port Adelaide and the AFL in China. Is that similar to an Auskick initiative in, in Chinese schools, like Chinese kids learning how to, you know, kick a football and having an Australian person there, you know, show them and teach them some of the tricks of the game? Yeah, I guess Auskick's become synonymous with any sort of school football program. Okay. Uh, we've, yep. we've got a very specific curriculum that we have. Uh, and again, it's been tailored for a people that aren't necessarily raised with football. So there is a skills element to it, uh, to be sure. But we also encourage all of the participants of that to be on uh, different WeChat groups to connect with us on social media where there is an opportunity to disseminate digitally these uh, examples and expressions of Australian culture. So we've developed a series of uh, of videos that where we actually explain and describe the unique aspects of Australian culture. Also, where there is some uh, relevance to football and to our football club. So, mm. you know, we see that these things as being one and the other. One, you uh, have the capacity to learn a new sport and stay healthy. That's very important. But secondly, you're obviously drawn to Australia through the sport. And once we have that audience, then we're looking to provide some more sophisticated messaging around what Australia is and, and how to know a little bit more about us. Do you find the AFL game in China is, is still difficult to sell to the Australian sports community? Do you think the Australian sports community is still a little unsure of what the motivations may be of playing a game in China and what those possible benefits could be as well? Sure. Uh, I think that's definitely the case. I think last year that was more evident. There was an excitement around the first year of the sport, mm. uh, of the sport actually coming to China, but the, the second year certainly less so. And I think there are a few things that go into that. Firstly, I think that generally the sports media has to write a story, so journalists have to take a position on things, and it's very easy to take a negative position. Yeah. Secondly, by nature, those people who are involved in the industry are often... Uh, very much inclined towards uh, an insular perspective of Australia, so they perhaps don't see the need for our sport to be played internationally, yeah. which I think is really disappointing mm. and unfortunate. I mean, if in 100 years' time the sport is only played in one country, given the interconnectivity and the way the world is going, you wonder how relevant it will be. But if we believe that we've got a great sport, then why aren't we determined to share it with the world? And I think that's... Well, there was a similar struggle with um, the VFL branching out into the AFL, <laughs> that, you know, like playing outside of Victoria was sacrilegious and, you know, that seems to have been pretty successful. Yeah, indeed. Well, it only took 100 years, so yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hopefully world expansion doesn't take that long. But I think there is an opportunity to do that. But at the moment, we do see a reticence in, in the football media to actually embrace it. Having said that, there are some other commentators that are financial commentators that are... Uh, perhaps uh, political commentators or foreign policy commentators in the Australian Fin Review and other papers that have really embraced it. Yeah. We had a string, a succession of great stories in the Fin Review about what we were doing and its relevance to the business-to-business -business relationship. So I think there are some people, there's a creeping awareness of the role that uh, sport can play in helping business-to-business -business and government-to-government -government and people-to-people -people relationships. So I think that will continue to grow, but it, it really is important for us to be able to uh, take the football media on a journey and I think playing St Kilda next year will definitely provide that opportunity. And I think that China is so much closer to Australia than it ever has been where 
you can take a flight to Shanghai for roughly the same amount as it would take maybe from travelling from Melbourne to Perth and certainly from Melbourne to Darwin as well. So it's a great opportunity for these AFL supporters who have maybe never been to China before where there's so many flights going between Australia and China where you can, yeah. you can get to China for 500 bucks these days. Indeed. And um, it's just a fantastic opportunity to you know go and see the game, support the team in a different environment and have a slice of China while you're over there as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you know that, that speaks as well to the, the interconnectivity of the world and how much easier it is to travel and cheaper that is to travel now than than perhaps when I was younger. So if you imagine a St Kilda supporter, it will be cheaper for them to watch their team play in Shanghai mm. on the 2nd of June last year than it was for a Melbourne supporter to travel to Perth to watch their team in the finals this year. Mm. It will be cheaper in terms of flights, the accommodation will be cheaper and it will be a vastly different experience. So, As a, as a Melbourne Demons supporter, I've, I've, I've wanted to get to the Demons games in, in the Northern Territory, but... The flights between Melbourne yeah. and, and Northern Territory are, yeah. you know, usually in excess of eight hundred dollars. So it actually is cheaper to go in China yeah. with that comparison. Yeah. Um, so Andrew, you mentioned St Kilda have now come on board for the third year of the AFL in China. Um, Gold Coast had uh, two years playing um, in China, have not chosen to go on to a third year. What was essentially Port's pitch to St Kilda to to get on board with this with this China mission that Port's engaged with now? I think it was, I think it was pretty clear to. Uh, to the football world that Port Adelaide was hungry to play a Victorian side. I think that was, you know, frankly speaking, that was the case uh, after the first year. Uh, there are a number of reasons why this is important. I think the first thing is that St Kilda Football Club will be very ably supported by the Victorian Government because the Victorian Government understands the importance oh, of international right, yeah. engagement. They understand the role that sport can play. And they certainly uh, are a football state, so they they support you know an AFL club actually playing this role to help aid abet their international engagement. Yeah. So, so irrespective of the clubs themselves, certainly the St Kilda will be better supported and be in a much better position to benefit from the China opportunity. Mm. But also from our perspective, I mean Port Adelaide Football Club is not a composite side; we're a traditional footy club. We understand and feel more comfortable around other traditional footy clubs, and I think, you know, working together with St Kilda, we've seen a very immediate difference in terms of um, the familiarity of the two clubs and the two cultures. St Kilda Footy Club has forty six thousand supporters, members, sorry. Yeah. So the the, the uh, hunger and the interest, I think, from the St Kilda family will be far greater. And this is really important. I mean, if 6,000 Port Adelaide supporters are going to watch this game, it will be great if uh, an equal number of St Kilda supporters are there to create uh, perhaps a different atmosphere. And also knowing that the Victorian business community and the Victorian government will be right on board. So, Andrew, looking forward um, in 10 years' time, what's your vision for the AFL in China? What are you hoping to see? I think the AFL has a great... Uh, opportunity now to see China as being the first country in which there is a serious expansion of the sport outside of Australia. So I would hope that the sport, the code, the governing body, as well as some of the clubs grasp this opportunity. I think it would be a great, uh, a great sadness and a great waste if this opportunity wasn't grasped after this phenomenal last three years where we've really broken new ground. Mm. I'd also like to see the annual official AFL match in China to be seen as important to the bilateral relationship. Um, again, in my opinion, is that uh, the China Chinese will embrace the official uh, and traditional version of the game. They will see it as being real. They understand the importance of tradition. And certainly they know that Australian government ministers, uh, Australian supporters, will be far more likely to travel for 
a real game than they would, for example, travel to an AFLX game. So I'd like to see the game itself, the annual AFL match in China, being seen as the jewel in the crown of the bilateral relationship, that one really positive platform where everyone can come together, exchange in each other's ideas, cultures and wealth, and be a positive, a very positive thing for everyone involved. I was at the second AFL game this year in Shanghai, and to me it did really feel like a, a slice of Australia being there. So you are in Shanghai, you're at mm. this strange Jianwang Stadium, mm. but once you entered the stadium, it did really feel like a suburban atmosphere as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it works both ways. You know, the Australians that are drawn to the game will, uh, of course, naturally have a great experience of China outside of the game. But Chinese people that have an interest in Australia, to be able to be part of the game week activities and the game itself does mm. give, you know, a great, uh, a great expression of Australia. I mean, I think there are many good things about our sport. The the supporters themselves and the positive atmosphere that they bring to the sporting event, which is perhaps unlike some other disciplines, certainly in China, I think gives a, a very good uh, impression of Australia. But if you're a young Chinese person with an interest in Australia, then what better way than to, to go to an AFL game and to experience the same way as, you know, I love uh, the activities during uh, Chinese New Year celebration or Asia Festival in Adelaide. Yeah. It gives a great opportunity to be immersed in another culture without actually leaving your city. So we hope the, the annual AFL game will play that role as well. Mm. I think in next year's game we would certainly like to build on uh, the indigenous aspect of the game last year you know as I said before uh, Australian rules football is a great platform through which we can actually share indigenous cultures with the outside world and, and our cultural heritage uh, so I think not so much the players themselves but also also what we can put around the game I think there's a great opportunity to do that with indigenous art indigenous performers and, and so on so next year the timing of the game is such that we will uh, be encouraged to do that and certainly there are some uh, commercial interests that are encouraging us to do that. We signed an MOU at CIIE with Rio Tinto to do exactly that. Um, Port Adelaide and Rio Tinto working together to have a uh, to promote Indigenous culture, Indigenous business leaders, and so on at the game. So, I think this is another aspect that we can really build on what we've done in the past, uh, and hopefully, you know, really enhance the intercultural understanding between our two peoples, as Australia and China, uh, through our sport. Great. Okay, fantastic. Well, thanks a lot for dropping by to the podcast, Andrew, and all the best for AFL 2019 in Shanghai. My pleasure. See you in round one. My thanks to Andrew for his insights on the AFL in China. And I should note that Chinese Premier Li Keqiang actually wore both a Port Adelaide and Sydney Swans scarf at the SCG in 2017. So Andrew and I can split the difference on that. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please drop by to the podcast homepage at acbc.com.au forward slash podcasts, where you'll find more information about Port's China journey and can sign up to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher or Yoku if you're in China. Please do pass on the podcast to a friend, colleague or client who has an interest in China and may benefit from one of our episodes. would also like to thank the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trades Australia-China Council for their support of the podcast. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening and until next time, Zai Jian.